You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni, and today is Tuesday, September 6, 2011. Beer Sessions Radio is sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. To learn more about beer and test your beer knowledge, go to GreatBrewers.com. And we're also supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars that serve, promote, and support good beer. Check out GoodBeerSeal.com. Well, we've got one of the uh, Good Beer Seal bar owners here uh, Ben Granger from Beercraft, uh, he was recently uh, elected into the group. And we got Kelly Taylor from Kelso, one of our favorite New York City brewers, in the house tonight. How are you guys? Doing well. Thank you very much. Outstanding. How are you doing, Jimmy? Well, you know, we had the hurricane that that was, and uh, the 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 good side is that New York City was okay, but um, uh, many of our friends upstate who were farmers up in Greene County and. Uh, you know, didn't do so well. Do you guys have any farmer friends upstate? Uh, I've got a couple of people that we deal with up uh, up uh, the, the Hudson Valley that didn't do too poorly. Actually, they seem to they seem to weather the storm pretty well. So I think overall, uh, myself and people I know were fairly lucky. Same here. Everybody that we uh, that we talk to has been uh, been fairly lucky. I mean, our friends in Vermont, so not so much, right. but. Uh, but our uh, our people in uh, in upstate New York, we've been uh, we've been all right, very fortunate. What did you guys do during the hurricane? Uh, well, I think it, in New York City, really, the hurricane hit Saturday night. Um, you know, we were kind of kind of battening down the hatches and getting ready, and we got a keg of beer and a keg of water. Uh, you know, Sonia and I were, we were ready to roll, <laughs> and uh, you know, it just kind of rained, and we, we were watching and waiting, and and nothing really happened, and so we went to bed, and I think it rained all night. We got up in the morning, and it was just. A little stormy. It was, I think we slept through the whole thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, realistically. Well, what, what we did, uh, the day before I harvested my hops, and then the day of, my, water, my, uh, my backyard likes to take on water, and then it likes to come in the back door. So I have a little pump set up out there. Unfortunately, the pump is not on a, a float trigger. It's turned on and off manually. So I stayed up for 24 hours drinking Heller High Watermelon, which I usually don't drink fruit beers, but I thought it was... Fitting at the time until about eight thirty in the morning, turning on in a pump, on, off, on, off, all night. <laughs> you should have got the clapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sit back, lean back in your chair, and be like, "Oh, we don't have to put your beer down." Where were you on Friday? <laughs> I, was, really? I was I was uh, filling a keg of uh, Kelso IPA and, and getting and ready getting ready for Armageddon. <laughs> so the hurricane came and went. Yeah. Ben, you brought us some good beers. What did you What did you bring for us? Uh, today? We brought some uh, We brought some homebrew. Uh, let's see. What did I bring? I brought a beer that we called Mellow Yellow. Mmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these these are beers that you you make yourself as homebrew. Do you sell these at beer craft? Uh, these are just homebrews. We home don't brews. sell these guys. This is a saison with lots of hops in it. So it's basically an IPA with a Belgian yeast. Kelly, how do you feel? You you drink a lot of beer. You know, you're one of one of the top brewers that I know. You're um, too kind. <laughs> how, how do you feel about you know? These are really small home glasses. <laughs> you feel you feel that homebrew has has a lot to offer. Do you, do oh you yeah, definitely. Brew? You know, I get some of my greatest inspiration from homebrews. Uh, I judge a lot of homebrew competitions. Uh, I started as a homebrewer uh, in college uh, many years ago, so I understand the uh, the creativity and the the lack of uh, handcuffs that go on to uh, that go into making a homebrew. People just throw the book at it, and a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, I'm very impressed. With especially in the last few years, I've been very impressed with the quality and and uh, creativity that the homebrewers have been popping up uh, with. For a while, it was a little rough. <laughs> There's probably like three of you do a competition with thirty entries, and there'd be about three really good ones, and then a whole bunch that showed potential. <laughs> and now it's kind of the other way around. Just, it's really hard to kind of weed through uh, the the list of uh, classic styles and creative, innovative styles. It's, it's it's really it's really exciting. I agree. I agree. I think in the last couple of years, uh, the home brewing scene has kind of has kind of blossomed. Well, yours have always been excellent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Kelly. Uh, so yeah, we're just going to sit around and pat each other on the back. <laughs> and we get time. Oh, that's, that's you guys are buddies. I like this show. <laughs> Cheers to the buddies. Well, uh, right. well, Kelly been, and uh, Ben. Well, All right. you know, ben, you know, it's, it's been a really uh, interesting relationship because, you know, Beercraft has been kind of on the on the, the cutting edge of the New York City beer scene for for over a decade. For yeah. almost a decade, for almost at this a decade, point. for almost ten yeah. years, which is I mean, which is great, which supersedes Kelso by uh, four years. So, right, well, but that's that's cool. So, you know Ben that? Granger, you're the dean of beer, yeah, the New York City, <laughs> the yeah, dean so. of beer. Would, that's it. Would you, that's would you it. take that title? Uh, yeah, I, I would. I, I guess I would take that title. It what, makes yeah, why would you do? I would. I would sign that. If you were the seen, <laughs> I've heard him speak about beer. If you were the dean of beer, what would you professor. do? Give us five points that you would like to implement in New York City. In New York City, as the dean of beer, dean of beer. Uh, well, on a serious note, I'd like to see some cleaner lines. Um, ah, here, here. Yeah. I'd like to see some cleaner lines. Uh, I'd like to see a little more diversity in the lineups in some of the uh, some of the bars in the city. And uh, I would, I would, I would also, I would demand that every household consume at least. Six beers a day. That's a household. <laughs> that's a household. That's yeah. not per person. That's, that's a household. I would also have to say, uh, fourth point as dean of beer. Mm. Uh, I would have to say we should be able to walk the street with a beer. Ooh, good I like, one. I that like one's, that one. That one's, I think, you know, it's something to be said about having a beer outside while taking a walk. And the last point, uh, I would like to see... Hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. As a fifth point, we'll have to come back to it. No, yeah, no. that's pretty good. That's, I like that. I would like <laughs> to see some rooftop um, grain gardens, actually. Interesting. Instead of Because everybody's trying to grow hops on their rooftops. I think mm-hmm. it would actually be kind of cool to look out across the city and see all the rooftops that have like heads of hair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like growing grain. I think that would be kind of cool. What do you think about that, Kelly? I, I think well, I think that's uh, I think that's great. I really like the being able to walk down the street with a beer. It's, just, it's like kind of go down to New Orleans and you get a nice uh, glass of beer, which there are actually some great breweries down there For now. Sure. 
and uh, you can walk down the street and not get hassled. And as long as you know, there could be a definitely decorum, you know, there could be rules. You could walk down the street with the beer. Yeah. You could not harass anyone. You know? <laughs> well, you know, and if just, you did you know, anything with just, the beer, just anything be cool. that was really bad, <laughs> right. you got twice the punishment. Right. So you'd be yeah. rewarded if you behave properly. Yeah. You could walk down the street with the beer. Well, and I like the draft line cleanliness thing because I think a lot of places slack on that. Um, and and pouring your beer with mixed gas uh, or pure CO two as opposed to some places pour it with air. Yeah. Or for or they're sure. pouring it with a, a Guinness gas mix uh, that it's and it's not a Guinness beer and they're not doing the right pressure. So basically, you wind up pouring flat beer. Uh, I, yeah, I would like to see. I would like to see more. Are you saying that that some some establishments don't get proper gas? Well, I'm saying a lot of places don't have the right gas mix for what they're trying to do. Um, so if you're pouring with maybe you're pouring with pure CO two. Uh, if you don't have the right pressure on there, the beer can be become overcarbonated over time and start to gush and be foamy. Or if you're pouring with the with the Guinness gas canister, which is the 75% nitrogen, uh, that doesn't keep the beers carbonated enough, and they wind up having they wind up flattening out uh, over time. So the, really, the, the the top pressure on the keg balances the carbonation in the beer. And you can kind of get away with it because there's a lot of different carbonation levels in beers. If you just kind of hit the hit the middle road and target what your bar needs to get the beer out, out the tap, that, that's a special kind of balance. And, and you can't just do pure CO2 or Guinness gas in every situation. Some cases it's optimal. In many cases it's not. It's true. I mean, it, when you run pure CO2, you really uh, it, you have to babysit. Well, you well, actually with, the, with with either situation you have to babysit. You have to be a little bit on top of your game. That's something I would like to see. I would like to see people use um, use more more of a draft technician in their in their specific situation because we run we run straight CO two right. But, but your, your draw I, is like a foot and a half. Yeah, my draw <laughs> is like very short. Yeah, so your but, top pressure is what about five eight psi? Well, because like we split the lines. Yeah. So I have one lines that go to one 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 line that goes to the faucet and one line that goes to the filler. So. Ah, right. uh, and I want the filler to go fast and the faucet to be calm. So we, we, uh, we manipulate the situation, so <laughs> well, to speak. Right. <laughs> right. We, we have a couple of tricks that we pull. But I feel like, you know, if you pay attention to your beer, you kill the gas every night, you do, you know, there's a couple of things that you do, you know, to, uh, to keep uh, from pushing past a good level of saturation, you know, in your beer. So, but, you know, so to keep the beer from being foamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So to keep it from being overcarbonated, right, right? You know. So, but I also feel like you know, with with nitro, with, with blended gas, you know, it's easier to, in our in our opinion, it's easier to take beer out, take gas out than to put it back in, right? You know, and if you're pushing with a blended gas, it's, you know, it's always going to lose a little bit as it sits. It's always going to. It's always going to push back against. When we're that talking about gas. the Guinness gas, which yeah, is mostly yeah, yeah. nitrogen. Yeah, which is mostly nitrogen. Yeah, There's which, not a lot of CO two, and right. you need you need like gas to keep it in saturation. You need you need more CO two to keep the keep the CO two in saturation. Let's take a step back because you lost me. Which <laughs> I'm probably mid, midway in beer knowledge. So, oh, yeah. Um, no, I am yeah, midway. Right. You guys are way above me. How about this? Let's go back to the old days. When they, they first started making beer, and mm-hmm. beer in like in the 1800s. <laughs> Forget <laughs> which the story. Which is not when they first started making beer, but I, I got you. Yeah. yeah. There's no Mesopotamians. <laughs> right. But nice. okay, it's okay. the 1800s, and you go into a pub in England, and they had cask beer. Mm-hmm. You had made fresh beer, and they would like put it in the cask, and it was ready. They poured it out. Maybe right. gravity pour, some kind of a pump, like one of those old fashioned water pumps. Mm-hmm. So, how did they go from that to, to making Guinness? That's what I want to know. 
Because to my in my mind, to me, Guinness is an industrial version of what natural beer should be. And that's a, I'm going on well, a whole yeah, other but tangent. that's the, the nitrogenation that those nitro pours, the classic Guinness faucet um, pushed, uh, you know, low carbonated beer pu- pushed with high pressure through a special faucet, churns it up. It simulates that old style of pouring the beer on the beer engines and the it creaminess. Beer. Yeah, it makes the beer. The, the key with the, the cask beer, the beer engine, the nitro pour is to have a flat beer with a creamy head so that your palate thinks the beer is creamy and not flat. If you take so, the, it, so Guinness, basically the Guinness style is, it's more of an industrial version? Yeah. Oh, it's a consistency. The Cascade. It's a consistent version. It's a, a version that if you do the mix right, you do. it's very tricky to do, but it's being pushed with gas instead of air. Because those old cask engines were pushed with air, which makes the beer age immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like opening a, a bottle of wine or a bottle of uh, beer or a bottle of Coca-Cola. Or, yeah, or anything. Yeah, anything. You know, if as you soon open as you're it, exposed to oxygen. You're yeah, like, as soon as you open it, and it starts to flatten out and, and all this other stuff. But with the Guinness and the nitro pours... and when you talk Guinness, you talk Beamish, and you're talking um, uh, all those other uh, nitrogen beers. But they that's just a consistent. You can have that on tap for a week, the same keg on tap, and it's going to taste the same at the beginning as it does at the end versus the, the cast condition stuff and the beer engine stuff that's poured with air isn't going to taste the same. It's going to taste different tomorrow, and it better be gone by the third day. Now, there's, there's ways you can do the cast condition stuff and the, 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 the beer engine stuff now with the makeup air being nitrogen and the, beer, the casks don't go so uh, uh, stale so quickly, but it's not as consistent as the Guinness. This is true. I mean, you're, you're right, though, Jimmy. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm used to making stuff up. I'm not used to, <laughs> I'm not used to having it. <laughs> Check right. Oh, here, here we're trying one. Of these I like, I like uh, your saison, but let's try some of one of Kelly's beers. Yeah, yeah, let's try one of mine. Yeah, so I, I, I see what you're saying though. It's a kind of a, an industrial version of 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 Cascale, like a, a modernized version of it. You know, I've thought that for a while, and um, it's good that we finally said it on the air. Thank you. <laughs> because the other thing, because you know, when you drink cask beers, like, well, then there's no, there's no, you know, there's no gas issues. And um, well, you know, we, we've only talked about. Sure, you do. You have oxygen, oxygen intake, yeah, and oxygen you have, have the beer. Well, if you're, but like, forget, forget. Let's just say, imagine you have this pure cask of beer, and you just tapped it, and you, and you, and you drank. You know, but what happens when you tap a, a brand new cask beer? Oh, it's fresh. It's fresh. It's frothy. It's it's, 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 oh, it's a lot got of times gas. it's frothy. It's carbonated. It's gassy. It's, it's lively. It's exciting. Yeah. In fact, they call it live. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that beer is very live because yeah. it's got a lot of stuff going on with it. And over the course of time, that diminishes and it calms down, but it should have a frothiness to it. Uh, you're asking what this well, is? That's what we like. Yeah. This <laughs> smells awesome. <laughs> this is our bourbon barrel aged uh, recessionator Doppelbach. 8% Doppelbach aged in Heaven Hill bourbon barrels for uh, three months. Oh, it's silky. Yeah, ben, do that silky. again. Do your thing. You did the. <laughs> that's, that's good, yeah. <laughs> ben Granger. Yeah. <laughs> Here for sound effects. This is part of our barrel aging program. We have uh, some bourbon barrels. We have some brandy barrels. Uh, we have some Cabernet barrels and uh, some Jack Daniels barrels that we got directly from the distillery. And we're just taking a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and kind of aging them up. And uh, eventually, once we get all the. You know, you can reuse the barrel, and every time you use it, you lose flavor. And eventually, when you're not really getting the flavors anymore, you uh, we're doing sour aging. Yeah, I was just actually going to ask. The no, sound effect. 
good. This is really good. <laughs> it is good. It's, it's delicious. I was just going to ask you how many times, you know, how many uses you get out of the barrel. Uh, well, it depends on the barrel and the the, the freshness of the uh, the wood when you when you first get it in. You know, the Heaven Hill stuff we get in, and uh, it's still got bourbon in it, just a little bit. And and uh, delicious. I have to try to keep that away from my brewers when we get in because they like attack it and like try to pull the pull the the growlers out and drain it and, and it's like let's leave a little bit of that in there you know so you can reuse those three or four times and still get some of the the bourbon flavor though it, the length of time you need to leave the beer in there almost increases logarithmically every time you use right, it right right you know? when you when when they show up with bourbon in them do you guys say I always thought you know like if it shows up with bourbon in it you almost like it shows up with Sterilizer. So do sure. you, save, you save the bourbon and then on the second use, dump it back in and roll it around and then... No, we yeah. save it. If we're going to save it, uh, really what I want to do is leave some in there. Yeah. I just want to leave it in there yeah. and just put the beer in it. Because yeah. then you really just yeah. got to put the beer mm-hmm. in there a couple days later, take it out, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do take any out, it usually winds up in our coffee. <laughs> you know, because you know, is that a we're human. Coffee or an evening coffee? <laughs> well, it's morning coffee, <laughs> especially uh, mornings like this. It's a little dull, gray, sixty-two right. degrees. You need oh. a little, need a little pick yeah. me up. Yeah, yeah. pick me up and my pick me up. Yeah, a little pick me up and my pick me up. You guys are awesome. <laughs> ben, can we get the sound effect one more time? Yeah, yeah. yeah I actually have to drink to make it happen. Hey. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Love yeah, that guy. That's good. That's pretty We're good. gonna take a short break and we come back. We'll talk more with our guests and find out about New York Craft Beer Week on Beer Sessions Radio. You hold my hand and I can't understand my nerves. Oh my nerves. One look from you and you don't know what you do to my nerves. Oh my nerves. You hold me tight and kiss me right. Oh, my nerves, I get such a thrill, it sends a chill to my nerves, oh, my nerves, can't you see what you do to me to have me feel this way? I pat my feet and I clap my hands and I snap my fingers all day, whisper low that you love me so much. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a great radio network. You can tune in uh, pretty much 24-7. Shows from cheese to uh, farming, chefs, and uh, our Beer Sessions Radio, which I'm having a great time with Ben Granger from Beercraft and Kelly Taylor from Kelso in New York City. All right, guys. So we we made it through the hurricane, and uh, we've been talking about things like cask beer and uh, this great new uh, Heaven Hill uh, bourbon-aged Beer. What is this beer that we're drinking again, Kelso? This is the Kelso Recessionator, which is an 8% alcohol Doppelbach uh, that actually we came up with a couple of years ago, and unfortunately we can still use the name. I was thinking about changing the name Recessionator once we pulled out, but maybe next year. 
Uh, so it's that double Bach uh, aged in Heaven Hill bourbon barrels for uh, a number of weeks. This is an awesome beer. Thank you. And, and Ben, I'm going to give Ben a little kudo here. Ben is the dean of beer. We, we, uh, we announced that tonight. <laughs> yes. And uh, you guys have something special going on. It's, it's, you're coming up on your 10th year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be 10 years old in November. And what are you doing uh, with Kelly and Kelsa? Well, uh, we have a, a ton of stuff going on, but what the, one of our main attractions is we, uh, we had a, a, um, a contest at the shop. And our, uh, all of our customers voted on what they would like our anniversary beer to be. And Imperial Stout was the winner. We haven't drawn the uh, – because uh, uh, well, out of all the Imperial Stout votes, we're drawing a name out of a hat. And that person will, will go and brew the beer with Kelly. And, uh, yeah, and, and, that's, and that's that. And it's going to be an Imperial Stout, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, should be uh, pretty entertaining. You know, they approached us and said, you know, what, what do you think about doing a a uh, anniversary beer for us? And I said, that's a great idea. Why don't we throw it open to the to the customers and, and let's let's have fun with it? You're, you, well, it kind of went like that. I, well, it, 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 it went more like this. Hey, Kelly, do you want to brew an anniversary beer for us? And Kelly said, yeah, why don't you guys have a raffle and somebody will vote. Everybody will vote on, on the style. And then you pull a name out of a hat and that person will come brew the beer with. He basically just gave us the whole idea. <laughs> No, 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 yes, no, you I did. Think, no, I think we yeah. were uh, we were working on it together. It was a collaboration project. A twenty second collaboration. <laughs> well, we've known each other for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's very true. So, so you guys have done this before? Not the collaboration. Never. No. 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 First. Um, no. They're just. They're very good at putting on random stuff that I make. You know, which is it's fun because I can make something and an experiment and say, well. I don't know. I don't know if I want to like release it to the general market. Let's just release it to the people that you know will understand it more so maybe than I do. <laughs> and then, and there's a very short list of people, and Ben's on the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really like his beer. I, I like that you made uh, putting on good beer a, a skill set for me. That's that's good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah, we we uh, we've never actually done an exclusive or anything, but he's we've we've always had like you know something cool. There's always something cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's really nice because I think I, I walked it and it was about a mile. Yeah, you carried the beer over. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, it was like a mile from the brewery, and and a lot of the stuff that we've done has been like, why don't we just uh, put a bunch of random stuff into a cask and then just walk it over to you, or they'll send their truck over and pick it up, and and just kind of utilize the fact that you know this is one of the beauties of brewing local, right? Is you can develop a relationship, the retailer can develop a relationship with the brewer and make something kind of eclectic and and one off and and have fun with it and you highlight the freshness and complexity and diversity of of local craft beer and and really just kind of take it to that next level. Yeah. So we did a we did that oyster shuck. Oh yeah, that I we when we opened our back we opened our backyard this past spring. And when, um, it was our first time, so we had an oyster shuck. So we had this huge oyster event and had all these oysters, and, and Kelly made an oyster stout for us. And we had eight casks in the backyard. I built the cask rack, and everybody's hanging out and drinking. And you, you like, you know, our customers usually it's the pale ale and the IPA is the first thing to go. The 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 oyster stout was gone hours before anything else. <laughs> hours. That was excellent. I want that beer. It was great. <laughs> well, I just went to the corner fishmonger and picked up a uh, like a, a couple pounds of uh, blue points, and uh, I'm, I'm doing a 10 gallon pilot batch. And I just read up on the old world way of doing an oyster stout, and 
there was a lot of uh, different ways to do it and a lot of different theories about how it was supposed to work. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it old school in a way that I'm sure Ben would appreciate and just take a bunch of oysters and throw them into the damn beer and cook so it up. Do you <laughs> shuck them first nope. or throw the whole thing? Throw in. the whole thing in. They're self shu- yeah, shucking. They, they shuck themselves. <laughs> they shuck themselves. We tried one after we pulled it out. Not recommended. They do not <laughs> taste very good after they've been boiled in sweet wort. <laughs> it's really kind of disgusting. Rubbery and it was just like rubbery. this rubbery kind of charred. Uh, <laughs> uh, <ugh. laughs> so what if what if I pour my oyster stout and I get a little piece of cooked oyster? Uh, Would that happen? Uh, you, no, yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Not with the strict I mean, uh, strict of- quality controls that we have at the Kelso. <laughs> I would say that like the average person does not realize all the cool things that go into into beers. Um, you, you're making an oyster stout. What what are some other really cool stuff that you have coming down the pipeline? Well, obviously the the barrel aged stuff that we've got. Um, we have uh, a lot of uh, we have some fresh hop projects that we're working uh, with Blue Hill Stone Barns up in Westchester. Uh, they they have a hop uh, field up there at this point, you know, a dozen plants or so, and uh, we just got about 15 pounds of uh, fresh hops from them. And we're going to be uh, putting that in a variety of different kegs, doing some fresh hop kegged beer for their Harvest Fest, which is also that same weekend. I oh, right. Everybody's Harvest Fest is the 1st and 2nd of October, That's so, that's which so is st- kind of weird. It corresponds with the harvest, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this this time of year is a really interesting time of year because then you start doing the pumpkin beers and the fest beers, and mm. you start, you're getting out of the, the wit beer and the... Uh, the Pilsner summertime stuff. Have you guys ever have you done a pumpkin beer? We have not. Yeah, no. I, I brew yeah. some pumpkin beer. I brew a pumpkin beer for Heartland Brewery, which uh-huh. is oh you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my, yeah. my other job is Heartland <laughs> Brewery, and uh, I think it's one of the best pumpkin beers in the market. And I don't really know. You know, one of the things that I try to we do had is it two years ago the Heartland Pumpkin. It was yeah, awesome. I yeah, think yeah. it's a great beer, and and I don't know how to do it any differently. For Kelso, so right. I just don't do it. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> you know, I try to toes. do it different. You know, I try to do all the Kelso beers different from the Heartland beers. And, right. And sometimes uh, I wind up not doing one because it's going to conflict with got you. the other one. It's kind of a thing I've got. So you, have, so, you definitely uh, walk the fine line. I mean, you're you're amazing, dude. You contract brew for first brew. people. Right. You make your own label, and you also make the beer for Heartland. Well, and you, you have know, integrity beer with business, each, man. <laughs> you know, <do> <laughs> awesome beer dude. as much as possible. That's, that's my thing, is make as much beer. It's a long way from when I was brewing it when I was 18 in my college dorm room, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Unless your college dorm room, you had 60-barrel fermenters. So probably not. <laughs> no. So we, we have a call-in question. Uh, who's on the line? Hey, my name's Jason. Hi, Jason. Where are you from? I'm actually uh, over here in Seattle, Washington. Never heard All right. Of yeah, so I had, a, I had a great question for you guys. Uh, obviously, long-time listener and first-time caller, but uh, I want to ask you guys a question, being that I'm still somewhat of a new-to-home brewing. I'm having some problems when it comes to the amount of material that is left over in each of my bottles. No, I shouldn't say left over. That's in each of my bottles of beer that I'm brewing, specifically this red that I keep brewing. I'm adding so many hops based on the recipe that I've kind of, you know, tweaked and, and uh, you know, contorted to, to be the, the great taste that I love. But I come across it whenever I pour it into a glass. There's so much leftover hops in there. And I'm a, I'm a pellet hop user still. I haven't moved to the, you know, the full flake. I didn't know if there was any recommendations that how to reduce that but yet still getting all that full flavor that I want out of the hops. Well, as, as a home brewer, uh, my, I'm Ben, by the way. As a home brewer, one of the things that – that we do um, is we kind of make a uh, a uh, a little whirlpool in the kettle when we're knocking out into the fermenter. 
So mm-hmm. what you do is you get the you get the liquid moving with the paddle, and it starts to set up the uh, all those kind of particulates from the uh, from the pellets right around the dip tube. Mm, so it creates like a filter bed. So you get some, but you know you you don't get all of it. You don't get so much. The other thing, you know, the other the only other way to get fresh that particulate beer. out of there is really to to, to filter. You know, what's a, what's a good way for I mean a home brewer to filter. The, I mean, I mean, I guess ec- economically filter without going like all crazy. Right? Are you? Uh, do you do you keg it all, or is it, or is it just bottles? Oh, uh, we ju- we're just doing bottles right now. I mean, we obviously do growlers and bottles and stuff like that. So we haven't moved to the keg yet system, mm-hmm. but we're still uh, we're still brewing out of like a six uh, a six gallon um, uh, brew kettle and. Um, but we're, I'm, I'm thinking in my head too, I'm like one of those logical problem solvers. I want to stick some type of like filter, like I'm thinking, would I throw it into the carboy to siphon it out or not from the carboy into the kettle when I'm siphoning into the carboy or into the bucket for the primary fermentation. I want to put something in there that's leaving that particulate out of, uh, where I'm going into. I would probably throw a filter, just a couple layers of cheesecloth on the end of the, uh, the wort chiller on its way into the fermenter. That way, when it passes through it, it'll break it up a little bit. You'll oxygenate the wort a little bit, and uh, which is good for you know for, for pre fermentation, and uh, and and you'll help remove some of those particulates. And also, I, I'm thinking, are, are you able to uh, chill down the? Are you transferring into secondary fermentation, or are you just taking everything right out of the carboy? Uh, no, I I use a primary and a secondary. You do a primary and a secondary. Are you yeah. able to refrigerate the secondary? Uh, not yet. Yeah, I mean, you're in Seattle. You could probably just put it outside at night or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? we, we, we just we just leave the windows open. <laughs> yeah, just kind of put it over by the door. Uh, <laughs> but right. you know, if you can get that cold somehow, whether you know putting it in your beer fridge that you got in the uh, in the backyard or in the garage, or put it in the backyard overnight, try to chill it down. That'll create a flocculation and a downward movement on the yeast and particulates, and, and that'll help kind of pre-clarify it. Yeah, that's well, another thought. Kelly, will that yeast as it's crashing out, will that will that help to pull particles out of the suspension? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that'll that'll help uh, create a downward flow and everything will kind of pull out. Kelly, how about this when when, when there's a someone starting out in home brewing and you know maybe that's the first couple of years because they're still cutting their chops. Do you think they should start with some simpler beer recipes? Absolutely not. I think you should brew whatever you want. <laughs> I love that. For real. When you're starting off at home brewing, just throw the book at it. You know, I, I do recommend getting a book. I always recommend The Complete Joy of Home Brewing by Charlie Papazian. Uh, that's what I started with uh, because at the end of every chapter, he says, relax, don't worry, have a home brew. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a really good moniker. It's a good, it's a good thing to remember because at the end of the day, no matter how much sanitizing you're doing and how, how much recipes you're trying to be true to style, you're trying to be completely wacky or whatever, at the end of the day, you're making beer. It's all good. You know, so it, so in, in this these books, they go through basic build your own kits all the way through. Oh, here's the top of the line home brewing equipment you can buy. Here's the all grain recipes. Here's the extract recipes. They do everything. It's 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 a it's a good guide to kind of help keep you uh, confident in what you're doing and having fun with it. You guys got time for a second question then? Sure, man. And also stay on with us, man. If you want, you can stay <laughs> on for the rest of the show. <laughs> there we go. Hey. Why? Why is it that every time I come to the East Coast, and my, my brother East Coast, and I have a couple other family relatives who live out there, I can never find a good red ale. Now I'm not talking like an Irish red, but like a good, just red ale like we have over here on the on the West Coast. Why can't you find? Well, I think there's some good red ales out here. You know, it's just the the market out here is is a little bit different. 
Um, so, and I think what you want to ask is what do you define a good red ale as? I think there's some good red ales out here, but they're not hoppy. They're malty. They're really yeah, malt and I forward. think that it's the it's the balance between the hoppy and the malty that it, that really stands out on the on the northwest ones that I've had. Sure. Um, well, I, in my, I my opinion, the northwest and, the northwest ones are a little hop forward. They're a little more oh, yes. hoppy than uh, than, than we're going to have out here, and it's just a different it's a different animal. Um, I'm trying to think of like, other thing that's different well, too. Is good, I good think East Coast. It's East Coast. Ale. We look also to Europe more, I think. And when you say red ale to me, I'm thinking Flemish red or like oh, right. almost yeah, a sour, yeah. a sour beer. So I think that there's a lot more. We also get a lot more European beers here in the East Coast as well. I, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, see, red, red ale is actually that's. That's my favorite style of beer. Okay. Uh, per, my, Bingo, my baby. My personal favorite. Uh, mostly because exactly what you were saying. Like, there's this really, like, in a good red ale, there's a depth of malt character, you know, that is carrying some incredible hop aroma and good bitterness. So a good red ale is hard to find all around, but I hear what you're saying. On the East Coast, like Kelly was saying, it's it's the market's a little bit different, and there aren't quite as you know quite as many red ales. You know, most of most of what we find out here that is pretty solid red. Ithaca makes a very solid red ale called Cascazilla, uh, and then a lot of the stuff from the Midwest I find to be uh, to be super delicious. Do you like, like Founders Red? Yeah, like Red's yeah. Rye. Yeah, I was just gonna say Founders Red's Rye, but my you know my personal all time favorite is the. Uh, Port Brewing Company, the uh, the Shark Attack, the uh, right. the the re- their Imperial Red. Where's that from, bro? That's 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 West Coast. West that's California. California. Yeah. And that's a delicious. Have you had that? Anybody? Uh, yeah, I, I've had that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I went to college in San Diego. Yeah, and very Jason. familiar with those. <laughs> Oh Most yeah, I, I have not had I have not had Port's Shark Attack. I've had Bridgeport's, uh, which is in uh, Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. They have a, a, a red uh, Elysian Brewery, which is up here in Seattle. They do a men's room red, and then my favorite's Georgetown Breweries over here in Seattle. Again, uh, they do one called the the Chopper Red, and then they do a Super Chop, which is a a double Imperial Red that they do, which is even even crazier good. I, I can't really describe it too much other than I just pretty much an explosion in my pants and my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, we don't have those reds here. <laughs> that's, that's that's East that's Coast. Amazing. You don't get the explosion. <laughs> the pant explosion red. That's actually that's a good beer name. Yeah, there we go. Well, thank you guys for answering the questions. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. All right. Have We're going to take a short break. We'll be back, and uh, I don't know if we'll get pants explosion, but beer sessions radio. All right. I'd swim to the bank and crawl right home to you. Yeah. Ain't I loving you, baby? 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 Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're sponsored by GreatBrewers.com, 
and check out goodbrewsteel.com. Learn more about beer. We got forget about these websites. We got Ben Granger from Beercraft and Kelly Taylor from Kelso. All you need to know about beer here on Beer Sessions. Radio. So at beercraft.com. Yeah, Kelso, yeah. Kelso is it beercraft.com? Beer really? Yeah, we have, it's beercraft.com. You guys have websites and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Modern. I, 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 this is the happiest I've been in a long time on air. I've got these, these two guys, and um, we got someone else on, on air right now who wants to ask more questions. Who's this? Hey, how you doing? Hey, who's Good. this, and uh, where are you calling from? Oh, uh, this is uh, Mike from uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, a long-time listener, first-time caller. And um, I just had a question about um, uh, the difference between a Berliner Weiss and, uh, and a German Goes. Mm. Um, if you guys could elaborate on that, and also maybe some commercial examples of, like, you know, stuff that's out there. Wow. Thanks, uh, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I think this is Mike Lavulo from yeah. Union Beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was like one of the other deans of beer. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I mean, Ber- exactly. Berliner Weiss. Uh, well, the thing is, is that you know traditionally, Kelly, correct me if I if I decide to screw this up along the way. Goes should go through a pre pre lactic fermentation like a Berliner Weiss. It should go through a primary lactic fermentation. But the thing is, is that with Berliner Weiss, you're driving the lactic acid a little bit harder as opposed to the to the goes. So, you know, with a Berliner Weiss, you know, you are it's going to be decidedly tart. You know, because you're you're getting a lactic fermentation even before there's an alcoholic fermentation. So you're letting the mash sit for X amount of time. All the lactic cultures that are on the mash, uh, that are on the grains, uh, start fermenting, converting long-chain sugars into lactic acid. And then after that, it's racked out into the kettle, boiled, the cultures are killed, hops are added, etc., etc. So you're starting off with an acidity, but the flavor should be decidedly acidic whereas goes also should go through a lactic fermentation in a very similar fashion but the amount of lactic acid that's going to be in the final product shouldn't be quite as high it should be really an accent to the salt and coriander which are other the other two components that are going to separate goes from Ber- from berliner weiss so it's it's tartness should not be you know, it shouldn't be sour. It should be a little tart, a little bright, actually, is the best way to put it. Ben, how do you think these styles started? I mean, uh, to us, we think of sour beer. That sounds accidentally, crazy. Accidentally. I mean, it's, you know, uh, not being... I think it, it's accidentally because lactic... Most lactic fermentation, especially this type of lactic fermentation, is spontaneous. So, like, it's just kind of happened, you know? And I'm sure at one point, you know, almost all beer was... Tart and smoky, you know. Um, now with you know with Fresh with with, with, uh, with with uh, the lactic fermentation, I'm, I'm sure it was you know accidental. And plus, when you have lactic fermentation and alcoholic fermentation and acetic fermentation as well, you're they're both all three are sterilizing. All three are making the liquid drinkable because you're driving your know, lactic acid drives down the pH, which makes it more acidic, which means less. Funky stuff can live in there, you know. Yeast makes right alcohol, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Cool. Well, good. Thanks a lot, man. That was uh, that was a that lot was, more than I knew about that. that lacto fermentation. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a different between goes and goose. Goes, goes is German. Goes is uh, ah, salt, coriander, 
there you go. And so we missed the whole question. It's like, there's like two. There's like well, two. Well, no, I, I heard that, but I, so I didn't know. He was saying the goes, the German style goes, and the German style yeah. Berlin Weiss. We right. wasn't saying goose. He was saying goes. We made a, right. we made a goes but at the shop. But, but, it's not, but it's not just a German way of spelling a, a Flemish. No, no, no. no it's, it's a specific style of beer. Salt and coriander. That was we made awesome one at the shop a couple weeks ago. How do you spell it? G-O-Z-E. G-O-Z-E. Yeah. Goes. Like steady as she goes. salty? Mm, it, sh- it shouldn't be. We made one and it was, but it shouldn't be salty. It Have you ever heard anybody brewing a beer with the salt as a primary flavoring component? Yeah, we goes. Well, well, <laughs> besides, on purpose. Uh, no, you should. So, so, I mean, I, I, I think if. I'm, I'm working with uh, Mama Fuko on in developing a recipe for their restaurants, and one of the flavoring components that they were talking about earlier today was uh, salt. And they're thinking about like make a, make a make goes. a goat. I think make I might. Goes, man. All right, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, we made one at the shop a couple of months ago. Uh, actually, we used the second runnings of another beer that I brought for our goats, but we let it sit for five days. That is the most random transition. <laughs> <laughs> but what are the odds? <laughs> it wasn't because actually, last when, time <laughs> when you were talking about goats versus Berlin Weiss, I, I zoned out. I was like, oh yeah, goose and. Right. And I love goes. I, I I love the German style. So, and say, I love goose. The German style of sour beers are awesome. Yeah, for sure. As many sense. other styles of German beers are. And as we're doing that, we're talking about that. We're drinking our Flemish red, which yeah. is sour. Which we are actually yeah. during the break. We were chatting about about right. this Flemish which red, is, that's, you know, which is of course they're all, you know, beer. These are most like the original beers the, ever. The beers that you brought in tonight, you brought in that great the the bourbon barrel aged. Recessionator. Recessionator. Right. And now this, it's also an aged Flemish red. This is, yeah, this is three-year-old Flemish red. Are these yeah. just from your private stash, or do you actually sell these anywhere? Uh, well, we have a small uh, stash of them, but we usually hold them for events like uh, the uh, Brewer's Choice uh, that's coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, for the New York Craft Beer Week. New York Craft Beer Brewer's Week. Brewer's Choice, September 22nd. Yeah, awesome. That's right. Yeah, so we're saving some of that. We have aging with cherries uh, in Tuthill Town rye barrels. Uh, Flemish red rye barrel cherry aged. Now you're just something. showing off. I don't, I don't I even know. I'm just that's keep, I'm just pulling words out of, <laughs> out of the air. <laughs> all, it's all in there, and it'll it'll be on tap at the Brewer's <laughs> Choice. You have to check so, it out online. <laughs> so so three year old uh, Flemish red. Yeah, with 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 cherries. With cherries in in a, in a Tuttle Hill Town rye barrel. Yes, correct. Wow, <laughs> that'll be fun. Ben, what's your little uh, the thing you do on air now? Oh yeah. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Ah. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, so we did goes. For, you know, this is uh, what this is so cool. Um, wow, goes and Berlin Weiss. Yeah. What did you bring? You said that you said oh, there was yeah. a segue there somehow. Yeah, it was more remarkable. I tried to. Okay, you like that segue? Yeah. I did. Uh, you go from goes to what you brought. Well, we did. We did a basically a double brew. Um, here, let me finish this. There are so many great styles of beer. There when are. People talk about yes. wine. I mean, there's like at least a thousand different grapes for wine. How many different styles of beer do you think there are? I think there's like 222,000. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, beer, beer's been around longer than most food. Most, you know, it's the oldest beverage in the world besides water. And, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> which, it's which is pretty old. Ingredient. That's a, yeah, yeah, that is pretty yes. old. Uh, you know, so it's, how many different styles are there? I said, there? People are coming up with new styles all the time, so I, I think that's a moving target. But it's it's definitely one of the most complex 
uh, interesting, diverse, dynamic beverages you're going to come across ever uh, because of the grain component, the hops, the water, uh, the different yeasts, the bacteria, the wood aging, the whole nine yards. You could just you could just go for you could do one ingredient combination and do it a hundred different ways and get a hundred different beers and then just multiply that by you know hundreds. It's like Carl Sagan, billions, and billions. Is that number two hundred and twenty-two thousand? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's metric. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this show really worked out great. <laughs> uh, Kelly's metric. wife Sonia Jacoby was going to come in tonight. She couldn't right. make it. Right. And you usually get Sonia or you get Kelly, which is either That's one. Right. You guys are awesome. Patrick Donaher from uh, Get Real New York and uh, some other place. Rattling Hum was going to come in. <laughs> yeah. He always blows oh, us off. Yeah. Patrick, you blew us off, but that's okay, because guess what? Because of that, we got to get this awesome love fest between <laughs> Ben and, <laughs> and, and, and Jimmy. And, and what and I want... Jimmy. Next yeah. time, you got to wear <laughs> some clothes, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The hurricane just robbed me of my dignity. But what I, I want to know, when is this 10th anniversary beer going to be available, and when's the party? Because you guys are fucking great together. Oops. And uh, I, I want to see what you guys do together. This is cool. Well, um, the party will start November 1st and end. How many days are there in November? Uh, 30. 30. November 30th. See, only he knows the answers to your questions. That's amazing. <laughs> Was that right? Yeah, I, well, I hope so. I'm sticking to if It's right now. From now on. Yeah. Wow, this is really interesting. So you're going to drink that beer, and, and you don't know what it is yet. It's a 10-year anniversary. It's going to be an imperial, imperial style, style but yeah. yet you haven't made it. So. Yeah, yeah, we haven't made it. it could yeah, be, it'll be an imperial could style. could be something fun. Yeah, well, yeah. Does yeah. it have to be an imperial style? You might change the style. Oh, I think. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just have a contest. Maybe <laughs> like, you know what? We're gonna do a blonde. <laughs> wow, this imperial a stout imperial is stout. It's, yeah, we're gonna, we're, yeah, Yellow, we're, we're gonna do an imperial mild stout. That's not a bad idea. And where will this beer be available? Only at Beer Craft? Or is it going to be like citywide or all the Good Beer Seal bars? I don't what? know. What do you think? What do you, what do you think? I think you should make we're, enough we're, and sell it at the Good Beer Seal bars. And yeah, we're, we're very open. Both I, Beer Craft and Kelso, of, man. Come on, let's do it. I'm not a big fan of the exclusive thing. I like the beer to get out there. I you like should make to it at least beer. for like I mean, 30 or 40 bars, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good idea, the Good Beer Seal. Yeah, uh, yeah we'd love thing. to have it. And we also, then we can also like give our, you know... Hats off to a beer craft, 10 years. Sure, yeah. This is Our brother. Yeah, trailblazer, High five. really. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm up for whatever. Yeah, I'm down. I'm yeah. totally down. So I'm just I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to drinking it, really. Yeah. Well, That's... I think the next step, really, is we should, uh, and I know this is going to be tricky, but we should go in and to your place and taste some Imperial Stouts <laughs> <laughs> and, and figure out what kind of one we want to try to emulate. That or, sounds like a great uh, idea. And, and tweak somehow. And, and uh, That's actually, that's my, that's my favorite part of brewing is the, uh, the uh, R&D research baby. that goes <laughs> yeah, into <R&D>. it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Sit down and have a few. What is it, this again? This was, this was Speaking a, of- uh, a, uh, uh, Carl's recipe. Carl, Carl's a guy who works for us, a good friend of mine. Um, it's his Newark style IPA. It's actually a pre-prohibition um, recreation of Ballantine IPA, aged on oak. The only thing that's not pre-prohibition is the strain of hop in the dry hop. Everything else is 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 pretty straightforward. Kelly, before the show, we touched on pre-prohibition beer in New York in America. Uh, you know, people said beer used to be good. Beer was always good. It was better. What yeah, was, it, what I mean, was well, going on? Well, right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, say pre-prohibition, you know, there was there were so many different factors involved with. You know, but all beer was made locally. There was more breweries in the United States before prohibition than there are now. Uh, and most of the reason for that is that the beer was made locally. It was made at the corner bar. It was made at the at the corner brewery, and it it wasn't distributed very far. Mainly because there wasn't refrigerated transport, there wasn't pasteurization, there wasn't uh, tight filtration, things that you need to ensure quality over shipping distances. And also, there wasn't a U.S. interstate highway system. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that. (laughs) Yeah, so there was no way to really move beer. And beer is a very delicate beverage. That's why I always say drink local wherever you happen to be because beer is very delicate and it just does not want to be transported over long distances necessarily. There's some exceptions to that. Here, here, man. Yeah, but so so pre-prohibition, it was drink local. And then... Then there was Prohibition. Then there was a Dust Bowl. There was a Great Depression. All kinds of things that just decimated the U.S. economy, decimated the, the crops that were grown uh, in this economy and what, what the crops were used for. Uh, and then after Prohibition, people had no money. Uh, barley was extremely expensive and being utilized mostly for food, not for brewing. So we need the brewers, after Prohibition, had to find a way to make a, a beer that people could afford and in, in order to do that, they couldn't use barley, so they wound up using a lot of rice and some other um, adjuncts, not, not high-quality two-row barley that people used to use. And that made a beer that was alcoholic and inexpensive. And that's where the big breweries got their, their foothold in right after Prohibition. And, and, uh, and I think there, I've also read where that was right after Prohibition, then there was World War II, and most of the drinking-age men went overseas, and the people that were left where people that, you know, women and people that weren't drinking a lot of beer, uh, they didn't want something that was necessarily really strong and hearty and, you know, really gruff. They wanted something a little bit lighter and more refreshing after working in the factories all day. And that that just gained popularity and, and gained the market share of, of these breweries. So that's what we got kind of stuck with. And again, the United States is unique in that uh, economy. You go anywhere else in the world, places have had breweries for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And I'm talking anywhere. I know one of our guys that works for us uh, is a delivery driver. He's from Africa. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's this little corner brewery that's been there for 200 years down on, down by the river in uh, Gambia, I think it is. But, you know, everybody, every country has its own brewery that's been there for, for you know, hundreds of years. And we just we kind of lost that in this country. And it's, it's really nice to see us going back to local breweries. I think it was Frank Zappa who said, to be a country, you have to have a brewery. He was a, a very a brewery, smart man. A, He's still alive, a, a, right? A brewery, <laughs> yeah. an airport, and an army, I think, were the three things. I'm not sure. In but that, brewery that, was number one. In that order? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's not debatable. Sure. That is debatable. <laughs> so, but I know brewery. I know brewery. <laughs> I know. Add that, uh, Ben, to your list of things as Dean of Beer. Yeah, to be a country, <laughs> you have to have a brewery. How about a city? Mm-hmm. New York City's got Absolutely. all that. Well, you know, Actually, you, you, you guys are coming back. Yeah. Listen, New York City. Brett's our Booker now, and, and Brie O'Connor, our producer. You guys are coming back. We're going to talk more about this, and we're definitely going to talk more about the pre, pre-prohibition beers and changes that happened after. I never heard about the how the interstate highway impacted um, you know, our yeah, beer industry. Interesting. But we're going to give a little uh, shout-out to uh, some good Brazil events and the New York City Craft Beer Week, which is coming upon us. It uh, starts on September 16th. There's quite a few events, including Get Real in New York. And our special event, which uh, Beer Sessions Radio, Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger are, are producing. And uh, Kelly Taylor is going to be at. Garrett Oliver is going to be there. The New York City Brewers Choice. Check out nycbrewerschoice.com. 
And uh, it's probably the best event of uh, New York Craft Beer Week. Ben's going to be there from Beer Craft as well. And check it out, nycbrewerschoice.com. Make sure you get your uh, New York City Craft Beer Week passports. Go to nycbeerweek.com. And anything else happening for Craft Beer Week at Beer Craft, Ben? Uh, we do specials all week long. So uh, you'll we'll have discounts on all all, all uh, uh, New York State brewed products, as well as uh, a, a solid draft list of uh, of New York beers. Plus our you know our uh, Tuesday and Thursday events. All right, that sounds great. I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Also check out Good Beer Seal GoodBrewSeal dot com. Thanks again to Ben and Kelly. And for joining us here on Heritage Radio Network, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brio Connor, and our guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. The following is a message from NOFA NY. Do you dig local food? Love organic farmers? Do you crave to be part of a growing movement of consumers concerned with the state of our nation's food system? Then sign up today to take the NOFA NY's Locavore Challenge this September. Join 5,000 other New York Locavores that are hungry, active, and ready to change our food system. Learn more at www.nylocavorechallenge.com. This is a message from Fork and Anchor. Aaron Fitzpatrick, the host of our wine program, Unfiltered, is looking for help on Kickstarter to open Fork and Anchor, a general store inspired by two food-loving ladies with an equal affection for urban life, the sea, and the agricultural paradise of Long Island's North Fork. The store is situated in a growing community of farmers and winemakers and will become a meeting place offering prepared foods, a variety of sun-dries, and a selection of homespun products, many of which will have their origins in New York State. Your backing will help them fulfill their dream of fostering relationships with the community and making the local food system accessible on a broader scale. Search kickstarter.com for Fork and Anchor and donate today. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to call the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October. 